Let's talk about a struggle many of us know all too well, losing weight. Remember those days when everyone was on a juice cleanse or just basically hangry all the time? That was no fun for anyone. Well, there's a better, more sustainable way to shed those pounds. Today, I want to introduce you to Row Body. It's not your typical weight loss program. Instead of all the gimmicks, they offer access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. But here's the real deal. They pair these shots with simple lifestyle changes, helping you lose 15 to 20% of your weight in a year on average and actually keep it off. Plus, over 200,000 people have already seen results with Robody. So what sets Robody apart? The support. They handle all the insurance stuff for you and give you access to a provider whenever you need them. And the best part, you can sign up online from home, no doctor's appointments and no waiting rooms. Say goodbye to those days of hangry juice cleanses. With Robody, losing weight is straightforward and sustainable. Take that first step today and say hello to a healthier, happier you. Kickstart your weight loss journey the right way and head to ro.co slash I do. That's ro.co slash I-D-O. Sign up today for just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Remember, medication costs are separate. That's row.co slash I do. Hey, Love Tribe. Today's episode is brought to you by one of my personal favorites, Cozy Earth. They've got something special for all the mothers out there. So anyone who wants to shower the special woman in their lives with love and the comfort they deserve, listen up. Hands down, Cozy Earth has the best sheets, bedding, pajama sets, and more. So today, I'm excited to share that Relationship Advice listeners get an exclusive 35% off discount. Simply go to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do at checkout. The first time I tried their bamboo sheets, I was blown away. The comfort level is insane. I just love slipping into their seriously soft and cool sheets after a long day. And for a mom who knows that the struggle of sleep deprivation is real. Cozy Earth's temperature regulating technology has been a lifesaver. No more waking up sweating or freezing. But what really sold me is the quality of the bamboo sheets. They are by far the most comfortable sheets I have ever slept in. They are made to last years, which they have. I think at this point, I have about six sets of them. And they have a 100-night sleep free trial and a 10-year warranty. So you know you're getting something that is going to stick around. So if you're ready to prioritize your sleep health and treat yourself or the mom in your life to the luxury she deserves, head on over to CozyEarth.com and use the promo code I do for an exclusive 35% off because every mom deserves a good night's sleep. And with Cozy Earth, you can finally get the rest you need. What's going on, guys? Welcome to ID Podcast, where we interview the world's leading relationship, marriage, dating, and self-help experts. 
Whether you're single, dating, married, or struggling in a relationship, you're in the right place. We're here to help give you the tools to succeed. On today's show, we welcome Dr. Greg Kaysan, and he's better known as Dr. Greg from the Bravo series, L.A. Shrinks, so you might know him from that. He appears regularly as a psychological expert on the Nancy Grace Show and has also appeared on a large variety of other TV programs. He is kind of like a TV psychologist star, but he's not just uh, featured on, on, on the media for no reason. He currently teaches at UCLA and is a licensed psychologist in LA specializing in cognitive behavioral therapy and relationship issues. And today we zero in and talk about something that I was really interested to to learn and hear from Dr. Greg was what straight couples can learn from gay couples and it it's not just a catchy title even though at first glance it might sound that way but there are some really great piece of advice that Dr. Greg gave us and I thought it was just really interesting I had a lot of questions for him but one of the main things that we took away is that gay couples just tend to have more empathy towards their partner, which makes sense because you're coming from a more familiar perspective. If if a gay man is in a relationship, he knows the experience of being a man. And, and everything that Dr. Greg talks about reflects those things where there's more respect when you're having conflict, there's greater openness towards sexuality, and a lot of great things that that Dr. Greg gets into and lets us know about and then gives straight couples the tools to use in their relationship. As always, we appreciate you guys for listening. Please subscribe, leave a review, send us a message. We'd love to hear from you guys, and we hope you enjoy this episode. Support for I Do Podcast comes from Talkspace, the online therapy company that believes that therapy should be affordable, confidential, and convenient. Join over 500,000 people who have used Talkspace for online therapy with their licensed therapist. Get $30 off your first month by visiting Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's one word, I-D-O. That's Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Hi, Dr. Greg. Thanks for joining us on the show today. Hey, Sarah. Good to be here. We've given our listeners just a little overview, so take a minute. Tell us about yourself and why you enjoy helping people improve their relationships. Hey, Chase. Uh, well, about myself, I've been a psychologist for over 20 years. I teach also at UCLA. I've been in private practice, been in a few TV shows, most notably, I think, uh, LA Shrinks on Bravo. But I have been working with couples also for over 20 years, and it's something that I think is the thing that's so wonderful about it is it's a never-ending journey, and I myself am on my 27th year of my relationship, So, and I can say that I'm learning all the time and failing all the time, so I'm not just an expert, I'm also a, uh, a learner and very much one. 
Well, that's how we get better, right? That's it. That is. From our mistakes and come back a little better. And we forgot to mention, but you're our first return guest on the show. So we we liked you so much. We wanted to have you back on and our listeners liked you and we, we appreciate you coming back. Well, thank you. I really appreciate it. Very, and I, I enjoyed being with you. So it's a mutual love. There you go. <laughs> thank you. And in today's topic, we talked about it a little bit beforehand, but I am very interested in, and we're going to zero in on what we can learn from gay male relationships. And mm-hmm. let's just kind of dive right in. And what is one of the, and, and you work with uh, both gay and straight couples. I do, I do, I do, and probably about half and half. Believe it or not, oh, okay. so I, 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 and I see a lot of lesbian couples, not just gay male, but uh, I would say it's about half and half. So I, I see the gamut. Now uh, we're going to get into a lot of different things, but off the top of your head, is there an overall theme that that makes a gay male relationship markedly different from? from other relationships you know I, I could start with just gay relationships or same gendered relationships i think the primary issue in same gendered relationships is we don't have the gender expectations that you do in heterosexual relationships that's come from society it's come from personal beliefs and also experience and what people have observed but uh so that's number one in gay male relationships what we tend to see is a greater openness towards sexuality towards sex and sexuality and um and what we see in both but especially in gay male relationships is we see a particular conflict style that seems to bode much better for gay relationships than straight relationships but when you trace it back it seems to all trace back to those gender expectations. That's so interesting because we come into relationships with these preconceived ideas of the roles that yes. a, a man and a woman should play. And what do you think the reason for that? Is it just because like I'm a guy, so if I'm going to be in a relationship with a guy, like I know how I work and, <laughs> and, and it's like maybe is it because it's just more familiar no, you know, that's part of it. That's part of it. But it, you just said a very key thing, which is you know how you work. And chances are that if you're in a relationship with another guy, he might work very much the same way. But if when you're with a woman, she doesn't work quite the same way you do. She doesn't grow up with the same society, societal expectations. She doesn't observe the same roles. There may be also different desires uh, biologically that are going on. So we they're just fundamentally different heterosexual men and heterosexual women but with gay men they've got more one gender fluidity so they see both sides usually the both male and female equation but they both tend to be more male and so they also understand those male things but that also comes down to uh you know i mean one of the more basic things is just how they share sex that often they like very similar types of sex or are more open to sexual experimentation which in the male world can be an extremely important thing not that it isn't important for females but we often hear men that's a primary complaint i often hear in couples therapy from men so i was about to ask is that because of the gender of, of males just in general being more open to sex, or is it specifically gay males? 
Uh, you know, that's a great question because uh, I want to say, I mean, when, when we look, when we look just sort of, if we just took a big picture, we would see gay males being more open. But I think a lot of it is driven by gender. And I think when men are just sort of uh, allowed to be, they might be more open to express things, but they're often don't feel comfortable expressing certain things because like say watching pornography or expressing attraction about another person or um, trying a new sexual behavior because they might get uh, shame or uh, some kind of negative comment from their female partner. So what we, you know, if you're to like turn that on its head, it's not that that's necessarily negative. It's not necessarily negative, but I think in some ways, heterosexual people go into relationships with a little bit more of a uh, handicap, believe it or not. Uh, because it's the handicap of expectations about what relationships should be. And that when relationships step outside of those norms or when their partner steps outside of those norms, they look at it as a much more uh, tragic or uh, catastrophic event. So how can someone prepare themselves better for for those instances so that they can change their expectations or get better perspective so that it doesn't become a problem uh how can they uh, change their own perspectives you know i think with you know if uh with heterosexual couples you've always you've always got to start where a person is so it, it isn't negative where somebody starts you know where someone if somebody comes in with certain expectations about what a relationship is and let's say it's it's largely driven by the institution of marriage and our expectations of what that is and that you get married and then you're monogamous and then you have 2.5 children and that man earns more than the woman and uh they you know, they never watch porn and they lean on each other for everything, including, you know, everything from, you know, who to go to the movies with to to share every holiday, to have every experience. And so this is kind of an expectation that people go to in marriages that often can put strain on the marriage and ultimately break it, unfortunately. So, you know, I think a lot of it may be that with couples or or couples is just to, when they go into relationships, and I certainly work with my couples, no matter who they are, straight or gay, but to work on what they personally want from the relationship, not what they think a relationship should be. So it's what they want it to be rather than what it should be in their mind and then helping them to communicate that to their partner so they can come up with agreements and then they have a much happier relationship. And then they can start from that point. Um, And that point can be moving forward to um, greater happiness later on. But it doesn't mean that they have the expectations. You know, the thing about gay relationships, we just got marriage not too long ago. Uh, You know, it's just, it's a very, very recent accomplishment. And uh, so gays, gays in general, lesbian, gay men, had to forge their own conception of what relationships were. And so they were sort of feeling around in the dark. And they came up with... uh, but in general, just sort of when you don't have those expectations, you tend to come up with your own norms. That each individual couple tends to come up with their own norms, and that seems to work a little bit better. We could do a whole podcast just on 
specifically the gay relationship and several podcasts and and that <laughs> whole dynamic with with marriage becoming legal which is crazy that is just happening but that's such an interesting dynamic because it legally is is almost it's out of the question before and so you don't yep. have those expectations but maybe there are some commitment expectations but it's not going to be binded and it's it, i'm sure navigating that was uh was quite a an adventure you know it just it, it's it's that it was both an advantage and a disadvantage. The advantage is what I said, that you could you could sort of forge your own way and make the relationship what you wanted. But the thing that heterosexual and that uh, primarily heterosexual relationships have or legally married relationships have is the contract of marriage. And believe it or not, that's one of the primary things that keeps relationships together through tough times. So that contract of marriage or legal expectations the legal contract, and also family and church and any other norm groups look at you as a married couple. And if you're having problems, they will act to try to keep you together. The interesting thing that used to happen to gay people, and I see it happening less and less, but it used to happen 20 years ago especially, is that when a gay person was having a problem in a relationship, often family and other people would encourage them to break up. <laughs> well, just because they didn't see because it was a gay relationship they just saw it as abhorrent so it was good that they broke up so what we see with this advent of legality in the relationship is that people family systems and the legal system is acting to keep the couples together through tough times and that may be a distinct advantage right and i'm wondering we we talked about sexuality um openness of that and, and how that's an advantage that gay couples seem to have. Are there any other things that that a heterosexual couple can really learn from from gay relationships? Yeah, the sex part is just, you know, it's it's sort of the salacious thing to talk about. You know, the maybe the real lesson is might be how gays fight. And as we know, I mean, as you guys probably know, conflict is one of the big problems in relationships, but also one of the necessary elements in relationships. A relationship can't grow, it can't go forward unless it goes through conflict. And how a relationship goes through conflict really matters. And if it goes through conflict in a negative way, it tends to pull the relationship apart if it tends to go through conflict, and if they go through conflict in a positive way, it can help them come together. So it was an interesting thing. I think it was back in 2003, uh, but John Gottman, who is one of the, John and Julie Gottman, who are, uh, they're a couple up at the University of Washington, and they've been doing uh, couples research for many years, over 30 years, and they, uh, they've been looking at same-sex uh, sexual relationships as well as part of their research, but a much smaller part. And they found that gay couples fought differently than straight couples, which was really interesting. And uh, specifically, uh, the gay couples tended to, be, uh, tended to start arguments in a much lighter way. They tended to be more humorous. They tended to have softer, what we call softer startups. So the, the argument never gets quite as negative 
And then they're also more willing to listen to their partner when they're having the conflict and be more influenced by their partner when they're having the conflict. And all of those lessons are ones that any heterosexual couple or uh, married couple could take as good things to do. Because one of the worst things you can do in an argument is get vile quickly, like aim low quickly. Because when you do that, almost always the relationship is going to, I mean, the conflict is going to go in a south direction. It's going to go in a very bad direction. Those are really interesting findings. And that is so valuable to, I just want to reiterate that starting arguments in a lighter way, adding humor, um, more willingness to listen, obviously it's our partners want to feel like you're listening. So definitely listen, acknowledge their feelings. I'm sure that that's part of that is that you're acknowledging the feelings of, of what your partner is expressing and then, and then keeping positive, don't aim low. So those are all great things. And I'm curious, why do you think that is that, that gay couples exhibit that more than, than straight? Well, I mean, I hate to be the, I hate to go back to the same old boring thing, but I think a lot of it is that there's just more gender equality. And often when I, you know, especially when I see uh, heterosexual couples argue, they often will, will put things on the other person's gender. Oh, she's just like a woman. She's getting so emotional, rolling, you know, the guy rolling his eyes and just completely dismissing and invalidating his girlfriend or wife. Or the woman doing uh, just completely humiliating the man. You're not acting like a man. That's not what a man should do. And often using gender uh, as a cut down that that the man is not meeting their gender expectations. And these have an extremely destructive effect. Um, But even when they're not expressed, they can be expressed, they can be thought. And the person can think, say, their partner is not acting in a way they think they should. And then they start getting angry and upset. So it's, it's, uh, it's a very, it's a very uh, delicate ground to walk on. But what we can do with our partner is maybe to see them and try to see them in a more equal way to ourselves. Because they're human beings. Their gender is just something that they, you know, it's, it's the thing that biologically happened to them um, from birth and sex and gender. But the, but the reality is we're all equal human beings on earth. And so one, one tip I could give is to try to see your partner as an eight-year-old child. Um, not that you want to talk down to them, but we tend to be more generous toward eight-year-olds than we are toward 28-year-olds. Uh, we tend to give them more credit if they say things like, um, you're an asshole, etc. We may, we may wash their mouth out perhaps, but we wouldn't, we wouldn't think that they necessarily are an evil person where sometimes I think what happens when it's an adult is, and when, especially when it's our partner, we don't give them the benefit of the doubt. We think that they have negative, uh, intent in mind and in fact they could just be hungry or tired or just fed up and they just to feel the freedom to express more negatively than usual wow that's all really great stuff because we haven't really had that perspective uh on the show 
coming from someone like yourself as a gay man and a relationship expert. And it's, it is so interesting that we, we come in and I'm, I'm listening to you and I'm just nodding my head. We come in with these preconceived gender roles. And even if we're not explicitly saying it, well, you're acting like a, you're not acting like the man of the house that we, we still have those in the back of our minds because we're products of our culture and we really are. And, <laughs> yeah, we really and, are. And, but it's just so interesting. We talk about this too, like recognizing what, how we're raised and influence and why we have certain views, but it's always there, but recognizing it. And then the gender roles is not something we've talked about. And I think that is really important to not project, oh, the wife is supposed to take care of the house and, and use that either explicitly in your argument or in the back of your mind and really just look at your partner as an equal, as another human being. I, I love that. And, and the looking at them as an eight year old is, is good too. Cause it gives you that perspective. Like they were, they were just an innocent kid at, at one time and you wouldn't talk to a kid that way. And, and they still are, we're still humans and we're still yes. trying to do our best. Just like that eight year old, you wouldn't yell at them for, for something silly that you might yell at your partner for. It's so true. It's so true. I mean, we are we are far more generous generally with children than we are with our partners. And sometimes we are very cruel to our partners, thinking they can take it. But I think it it's it might be good for all of us to take a second look uh, if we do find ourselves being cruel, because it's so destructive to relationships. Any kind of contempt or looking down on a partner is psychological abuse. And it's the same as when you do it to a child. If you tell a child you're a failure and you'll never grow up to be anything, that's abusive to a child. I mean, that sticks in their head, and that can do damage long term. You do that to a partner. If uh, someone, you know, a husband says that to a wife, you can't go out and earn a living. You're, you know, you don't have any skills, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that is just so destructive when you think about it, or vice versa. If a woman says it to a man, why aren't you earning more money? You know, you're you're a failure. I thought you would be better than this. So, it's it can be extremely destructive. Yeah, just take a pause and and think about what you're gonna say before you you go down that path, and 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 don't say it and express your feelings, but that is not the way to do it. And these first two tips of that the gay couples exhibit, I think they're so valuable. The putting the the societal and gender expectations on the side, and then the greater openness towards sexuality. Is there anything else that comes to mind um, that gay couples exhibit that we can straight couples can learn from? Yes, I, you know one thing that the gay couples do that's really wonderful uh, often is they have, because they have less expectations, they tend to have less expectations overall. So let's say sometimes gay couples will be more understanding that that their partner wants to go home, let's say, for Christmas and may not want their partner there. That might sound really awful to some couples, but to that particular couple, sometimes they're more willing to be flexible in those particular areas. Um, it wouldn't be one I'd necessarily advise, but I just see people having the range of behaviors. But also we see experimentation, which is really wonderful, 
in sex and sexuality that you know in gay couples of course it tends to they tend to run the gamut of, of all types of sexuality but tending to experiment and not seeing sexual experimentation as a negative thing even when they don't like it where sometimes in heterosexual couples there's a lot of weight put on sexual experimentation that somehow you don't you're not attracted to me or that's weird what you like or this and that like let's say if the if the heterosexual man wants to have be inserted anally, um, that the female may see that as as bad or shameful or wrong. And sexual shaming can be extremely destructive in a relationship and cause a man to completely shut down. Uh, same with a woman too. And a lot of men are very shaming to their uh, heter to their wives um, about sex and sexuality. And, uh, and often neglectful of the woman's needs. And I think a good thing, the one thing that gay men do, or gay relationships in general, but especially gay men, is they talk about sex. They talk about what they like, what they don't like, what they're willing to do and not what they dream of doing. And they also talk about attractions to other people. And this is something I see a lot in heterosexual relationships that are much more um, seen as a threat, um, like let's say there's a waiter and often it'll be like two guys and both guys will go, yeah, that waiter's hot. Um, but even sometimes I see a lot of gay couples and they're able to tolerate one partner flirting with somebody else very openly and just see it as, oh, they're just flirting. It's not a big deal. Where in heterosexual relationships, those are often seen as far more threatening. Um, and that's, that is something that can be very good for a relationship if both both in the relationship can tolerate it if they can't tolerate it then it's not something i would say walk in and do again it's up to the couple to talk about things and see where that they want to go and what they agree upon it sounds like there's a lot more confidence in their relationship um like I don't want to say more trust, but confidence with the relationship that you can flirt and it doesn't mean it's detrimental or it's going to ruin your relationship. That's a very good point, Sarah. Uh, yeah, I think that is true because I think that's the ex that's the experience with many men is because a lot of men have the capability perhaps to have sex without forming uh, an emotional attachment. Um, they don't see sex in, in uh in a more th in a threatening way that that's going to mean the other person is going to uh, go away and in fact a lot of gay friendships start with sex um it's not an uncommon beginning point with a lot of gay men and it's not sex with certainly with sexual attraction a lot of people who are sexually attracted will often talk to each other even though they don't ever hook up um and i think that's a very normal thing Maybe. you know and it, I'm sorry. Oh, go ahead. Oh, no. And it just, it just brought me to mind the thing that I often see, like, if there's one thing I see that I don't in straight couples that I never see in gay couples, and it's, it's an interesting divide, which is pornography. With gay couples will come in and pornography is never seen as something negative. It's seen as something that just is and they'll often talk about it as part of sex or not part of sex or this or that. But it just isn't really much of a discussion. With gay, with straight couples, often pornography is seen as a very shameful, bad thing that's a threat to the relationship. And it's, it's probably one of the biggest divides um, where pornography certainly may not always be a good 
solution to every sexual issue, but it is just what it is. It's just a sexual tool like any other tool. And, and you know, just like having a glass of wine, you could have one glass of wine and it can be very healthy. You can have, uh, you know, two bottles of wine and that can be quite unhealthy. So it, it depends on the amount and how it's used. Well, this is all just such great information. And, and I hope that all of our our straight listeners are can apply this and our, our gay listeners are probably like, yeah, that's us. We got it <laughs> because it, it, it just seems like, and look, uh, uh, it's not to say that gay relationships certainly have their, their struggles just like any other relationship, but it's interesting because it seems like at the, at the core of everything we're talking about, the open sexuality, the better conflict resolution, it's almost, it's just a greater sense of empathy and which makes sense because you're coming from a, you know, Genders are are different. Men are different than women, uh, from our biology to you know the chemistry that makes us up. So it's a little bit harder for heterosexual relationships to relate and have that empathy. Where a gay couple, they're coming from from a biological stance, a, a much they're they're exhibiting more empathy because they're able to really truly be in that in that gender shoes. It's so true, and you know I. I used to think it was all biological difference. I used to be more in that camp. But there was a study done about when gays were able to get married that kind of turned me on my head. Um, And it basically showed that gay men who got married started to take on more gendered roles. So there tended to be more of a man who identified more in the gendered female wife role and a man who identified more in the gendered male role. Although you may not see it from the outside, what you saw it was in terms of how they divided up household chores. And that because when non-married couples tended to divide chores evenly and tended to be more partnered in their execution of the chores that wasn't true for the ones who got married and so it's it starts to make me think how much of this is just cultural that we just fall into these cultural expectations these deep grooves that we've learned all along so it's it's rather yeah yeah. interesting so gay couples are not immune to the even no. though it's mostly heterosexual cultural norms, the, the the roles and the gender roles, but it's like they're they're going right in uh, into those roles as well. That's true. It's so true, and it's you know. So it just I think that we need to be aware of the forces that are upon us, and that anybody who's going to be in a marriage is going to have forces put upon them that they didn't ask for. Um, One is just their own history, what they were brought up with. And then there's cultural expectations, societal expectations. And, you know, you hear it from people in the news and on the media or when you watch movies, this is what a relationship should be. Hey, there's a great movie about a heterosexual relationship I would highly recommend. <laughs> just comes to mind. Nothing to do with gay relationships. I don't think there's one in – maybe there's one in the movie. I can't remember. It's an old movie. It's uh, called Another Year. And it's a British movie. And it shows this couple that's been together, I don't know, 20, 25 years. And it shows them having a rather mundane relationship. And I think it's a rather brilliant movie because it shows that this really is relationship reality. And the people that who have all these drama 
relationships, which makes better movies, let's face it. But the people are having drama around them are failing miserably. And this couple that's just sort of walking through life is succeeding in a rather beautiful way. So I think it's a, actually a, it was a, a quite a striking movie in so many ways. It's called Another Year. That's interesting. Yeah, it's it's so funny. We culture and, and society affects us in our relationships and our buying habits, everything. So it's important, like we're talking about, just to be aware of it. It and it's still going to influence you, whether you're conscious of it or not. But to really be aware of it and and understand that we are not in a Disney movie. Uh, the, the princess and, and the prince uh, don't always end up super happy and, and there is conflict and, and that's why we love having guests like you on because at the end of the day relationships take work and they're great but you don't get to that greatness without the work in between and it's easy to think from reality television and everything else in the media that it's it can be easy or or even that you're supposed to have drama in, in, in certain types of conflict and right. really just keep that perspective. Right. And, you know, I, I, I see that a lot. You actually brought up reality TV, which I can speak to on a very personal level. And I can also say that <laughs> the reality is I wish, you know, people understand. I've actually heard people in my office saying this, that reality TV is reality. And I may be one of the few people who can speak to what is real about it and what's not. Um, like in my show, things were rather real. I mean, there were a lot of very real situations, but the fact is you have a camera on you. And the fact is in the editing room, they're going to, they're going to cut in the things that are more dramatic and emotional and not the boring old things. So what we will never see is people doing their laundry, changing the cat box, sitting there reading a newspaper together. Um, that might be good for a cutaway, but it wouldn't be good. You wouldn't see what it really happens, which is kind of boring and mundane. But isn't that the beauty of life? I used to think one of the most amazing moments I ever had was going to Costco with my partner or going to um, just doing just kind of stupid things. But in those moments, you resonate together and you can just kind of hang out and be. And I think that's where you really get a lot of emotional depth that maybe is missed. Um, it doesn't need to happen in a conversation. It doesn't need to be anything big. The smallest moments can bring couples together. And that may be one of the biggest lessons, I think. Well, when you come back on for your third time, we'll have to, <laughs> we'll, we're going to deconstruct the uh, reality TV relationships versus real life. It'll be Holy a whole episode. Yeah. <laughs> Well, all great information, and now we got to move forward to the lasting love round. But first, we want to tell you a little about our sponsor, Talkspace. Almost every guest we've had on the show has recommended talking with the therapist as one of the most effective ways to improve yourself and your relationship. And that's why we're excited to tell you more about Talkspace. If you've ever thought about going to therapy, but found it too inconvenient, too expensive, or just too embarrassing to make it into an office, then give Talkspace a try. Talkspace is an online therapy company, and they make it easy to connect to a licensed therapist handpicked just for you for as little as $32 a week. Talkspace allows you to text, audio, and video message your therapist as much as you want. Your Talkspace therapist can listen to you vent about work or family, explore your relationship, and help put you on the path to a happier life. 
To sign up or to learn more, go to Talkspace.com forward slash I do. That's one word, I-D-O. And as a special offer for our listeners, you can use coupon code I do to get $30 off your first month and to show your support for this podcast. That's I do and Talkspace.com forward slash I do. Talkspace, therapy for how we live today. What is one tool or practice our listeners can use on a daily basis to help improve their relationship? Uh, you know, Sarah, I would have to say, I have to go back to my advice I gave during while I was talking to see your partner as an eight-year-old child and to connect to their vulnerability and that they're trying their best and to be more forgiving and compassionate and not to look down on them, but to really connect with them from that level. Is there a book or resource you can recommend for listeners who want to improve their relationship? Yeah, you know, the the probably the best book, in my opinion, written uh, is by The Seven Principles of Making Marriage Work by John Gottman. And it's it's just one of G-O-T-T-M-A-N. And it, it's, it's research, research made into practical advice. It's not this BS that came off the top of somebody's head who's been through this and that failed relationship, but it just, it's based on research and it's amazing. I think it's more amazing than one could possibly see that we all work kind of the same way. So why not like profit from somebody who's actually studied the way human couples work? Great. Well, thank you. We'll be sure to add uh, that book on your show notes page on idopodcast.com. Thank you. We've been married for two years now. Is there any advice you'd give newlyweds? <laughs> you know, two years is a rough time. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys are having a rough time, but two years is a rough time generally in relationships. They used to talk about the seven-year itch, but I'm like, mm. you know, the thing <laughs> is, the thing about a two-year mark is you you two have settled in. So now you've been through, let's say, a couple of, you know, a couple of holidays here as a married couple. I mean, you're starting to, you've done, you're starting traditions now. You're settling in. Pe- pe- oh, sorry? We have a baby now, too, a one-year-old. A- oh, congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, well, we could talk about that the whole day. <laughs> so that's, that's tough on relationships. Let me just say, you guys are in a tough position. The first year is usually okay um it's because it's you know babies but from year about one through 18 you know you you got to start dealing with the development of a child that's that can be quite dramatic um and that puts strain on couples so and also there's an expectation to put the attention toward the baby and not to each other so if there's any advice i could give to you it would be to continue to nurture the relationship continue to continue that as you go forward not that you're neglecting your child but that maybe have a date night and to have special times that you spend together and that strength of the relationship will be something profound and inspirational for your child which of course when when your child grows grows up, uh, will look back on your relationship as a model of a relationship to be in. Last question for you is what advice would you give our single listeners looking for a happy relationship? <laughs> you know what? I the, the, the advice I could give to single listeners is to get their advice from people in relationships. Um, 
it's it's a true ism but it's one i found over and over is often single people get their advice from other single people and single people have a way they're like lobsters in a barrel they have a way of pulling each other down sometimes giving advice to break up giving advice saying you're better than that he's treating you badly i think sometimes when the relationship road gets tough and the single person is out there dating to listen to married people because sometimes they're doing some things wrong um, that are keeping them single and people who are in a relationship can often see those things a bit more clearly because they've walked down that path. Well, that's great advice. I love it. I can see myself giving better advice to my friends now that I'm married. Not that I can see myself. I do. I feel like I'm, like you said, I'm, <laughs> I'm encouraging more to make the relationship work versus just eh, move on to the next one. So that's great. Exactly. <laughs> so that's great advice. <laughs> well, let's wrap up by having you tell our listeners where they can find you and then we'll say goodbye. Okay. Well, they, you could find me on the web at drgreg.com. It's D-R-G-R-E-G dot com um and that would probably be the easiest at twitter twitter i'm at dr greg Kason, my last name c d-r-g-r-e-g-c-a-s-o-n our listeners can find all the information and links of today's episode on idopodcast.com go to the podcast tab and you'll be in the archives thank you so much for taking the time to come on the show and for sharing your generous knowledge uh, thank you, Sarah and Chase. This was great. I love being with you guys again, and thank you so much. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. If you haven't done so already, head on over to our website, idopodcast.com, to check out this episode's show notes and to sign up for our newsletter.
listening to a Pleasure Podcast. For more from our Sex Podcast Collective, visit pleasurepodcasts.com.